DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Ashley Hales, who is a writer, speaker, pastor's wife, and mother of four. She holds a PhD in English from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Her writing has been featured in books and culture, Think Christian, Encourage, The Well, The Englewood Review of Books, and many other places. With Ashley Hales, we go inside the pages of Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. Published by Intravarsity Press. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me. You are welcome. It's such a great privilege to be with you. I have to tell you, as I was reading Finding Holy in the Suburbs, I kept finding myself thinking, Ashley Hales, get out of my head. Because, <laughs> because I'll admit it, I'm in my 50s, and my whole life I realized I've lived in the suburbs. Mm. And uh, one form or another, I've moved a lot with my husband, but we've always ended up landing here. But the things that you've pointed out, I guess I knew it, but I didn't know how deeply it affected my spiritual life. So I want to thank you so much for writing this book. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I think we, we often, especially if we're just kind of, we've been in a place for a long time. Um, it's, it's hard to see how our places shape us. Um, and so I'm excited to begin to help people think, even if they don't live in the suburbs, but to begin to think about how their places shape our desires and our loves and our affections. And in turn, just ask some really good questions about what does this mean for our relationship with God and relationship with others? Could it be said that in a very, very deep way, this is about detachment, learning to detach from the things of the world, no matter where you're at, so that you can keep your eyes more firmly fixed on the Father's will? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I hope that there is both this push and pull, right, of a push towards God and a, and a pull kind of, you know, away um, from all of our other kind of, as Augustine said, lesser loves. Um, so I hope there's that dual, you know, that dual movement. So it's not just a detaching, but an attaching. Well, I absolutely love this book. Your story is phenomenal. Why don't you give the our listeners just a sense of what brought you to the point of writing the book? Mm, yes. So finding in the sorry, finding holy in the suburbs was really born out of my own reckoning with place and how I had I had used place to kind of define who I was and. My husband and I, we grew up in the suburbs. Um, we both came home from the hospital when we were born to the houses our parents still live in. So we, we have a very kind of rooted sensibility, even in the suburbs. And yet, once we were married, we moved around to, to different cities. We lived overseas for graduate school. Um, uh, we lived in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I had used my place to really define myself as, wow, look, I'm special. I'm unique. I'm cosmopolitan. And mm-hmm. Uh, when we moved back home to the suburbs, I had to kind of reckon with who I thought I was. Um, and was it possible, you know, to live in a place that's pretty affluent, pretty comfortable? Is that an okay calling to love God and to serve him there? Or do I have to live, you know, in an in inner city or overseas to serve God? Yeah, it's interesting when you say to serve God. You know, you do think of when you when you've grown up in the suburbs that being in the city, being a part of, as you said, the uh, metropolitan atmosphere, there's there's mm-hmm. something about that 
maybe because it's different, but also living out in the country in a rural area, mm-hmm. being able to connect mm-hmm. to God and creation and everything, and right. getting back to a simple life that somehow that being in the suburbs, there's, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how to say it without, I, I don't want to sound uncharitable, but there's, um, there that doesn't have that dynamism as you know, mm-hmm. whether you're in the city or you're out in the country, it seems like it'd be a harder place to try to, to connect. Right. Do you think that's right. fair? Yeah. And I think that most places, you know, of course, every place is unique and different and every suburb is, is unique and different. So there are different challenges, but I think each kind of larger kind of sphere helps to kind of tell us what the good life is. Mm-hmm. And the suburbs really try to tell us, you know, the good life is found in ease and comfort and success. Um, you know, the city might, you might want to give up ease and comfort in the city, you know, to advance your career, you know, if you're in a very high powered city or in the country, um, comfort is, go- is going to look like a lot more of hard work, great physical labor, perhaps mm-hmm. if you're working on a farm, um, but you are going to have ideals of freedom kind of, and, you know, being able to be separate and I think that the suburbs really tell us that your good life is to be comfortable. Um, And I think like when Jesus is speaking to some of those churches in the uh, book of Revelation, the comfort, you know, those comfortable churches, he wants to spit out of his mouth, right? Being lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. And I think that can kind of sneak up on us, unfortunately, in the suburbs, but we just don't even realize that, you know, we've kind of drifted away from God and shaping our lives around him. I know for myself, Ashley, that w- living in the area I do, I think that I need to serve God by going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people may have that feeling, not everyone, but they feel that, you know, you know if I'm really going to do something good for God, I have to go away from where I'm at. And yet that's exactly mm-hmm. where he's placed, it, placed us in that moment, hasn't he? Exactly. Yeah, I think the call to be really a good neighbor starts with our actual next door neighbors (laughs) and not necessarily, you know, going around town to donate clothes or, you know, pass out food for the homeless. And I, I don't, I don't think that those are bad things by any means, but we do need to look really closely at who, who God has put in our, in our lives on a daily basis as well. That can be a tough thing, you know, because the way the suburbs have developed over time, maybe not all of them, but a vast majority mm-hmm. of them, we've isolated ourselves. Even though we seem to be mm-hmm. in this patch together, we have mm-hmm. the automatic garage door opener so we can just drive right in and shut the door. Yep. We, we yep. don't have front porches anymore right. where we used to sit outside and cool ourselves mm-hmm. off at night because we have air conditioners. And we have privacy fences that block off and say, okay, this is where my area is at. So it's in a very real way, and I know from my own example, that you may not even, not even know the person who is across the street yeah. or that mm-hmm. something's going on in their life. And that type of isolation, I mean, how really well do you even know who your neighbor is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is exactly right. You know, all of these modern conveniences that make our life easy and comfortable often cut us off from the community we that we want. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think the challenge for those of us who call Christ ours is to say, okay, how can I um, how can I be thoughtful? How can I be intentional to move towards my neighbors even if I don't know them? And so for us, we've talked a lot in our church about 
you know, embracing awkward conversations and just going up, you know, looking out for when your neighbors get home from work and just, you know, popping your foot in the garage real fast or something and even just saying, hey, you know, I know this is weird and awkward and we've lived by each other for three years, but what's your name? You know, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm getting some neighborhood folks together um, for a party or whatever. Would you like to come or, you know, whatever it is, whatever excuses we can kind of make, but uh, to begin to try to develop relationships, I think we will see the fruit of the gospel eventually. We're talking with Ashley Hales about her phenomenal book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully, in the land of too much. And I, I think that this particular book, Ashley, it, it's not just for women. It is for men and women, and it can be used mm-hmm. in so many different facets, uh, whether it's in book clubs or just a, a couple sitting down and going through it or a groups of friends. Mm-hmm. Because these are questions, you know, that we have to ask ourselves. And the way that the outline of the book, the, how you've broken it up into segments, you it is so penetrating i mean i you you nailed it on and every single chapter <laughs> thank you that's so kind well um, yeah i'm hope yeah i'm hopeful that people you know will be able to talk about the ideas together you know that the book begins to start conversations and is just one tool for people to really dig into both their own hearts about place and belonging as well as how can we move outward towards people yeah, it's not about shaming. It's not about shaming, no. but it's about uh, bringing things out in the light that we probably don't even suggest uh, to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The fact is, even you know, as the subtitle of the book, "Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much," sometimes uh, it's like a flip. There's a two sides here. First, sometimes we don't appreciate what others don't have and other, I mean, when we talk about different countries, how blessed we truly are here in the, in our land that we have this type of um, ability to live in our homes as we do. But on the other side of that, there are many of us who are living in the homes and we're living house poor. If I, mm-hmm. if I can say that, yeah. I mean, cause we're mm-hmm. trying to put out forward something to others mm-hmm. and your mortgage is way too high. Your car payments are way yeah. too over your head. There are rooms that don't even have furniture in it, and you're one paycheck away from it all collapsing, but yet you don't want anybody to know that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like a secret, something, and that can do a lot of damage to the heart and soul, can it? Oh, it can. You know, I think I realized real quick once we got here that I had kind of, because everyone looks like they have it all together, you know, I thought to some extent, like, you know, are they going to be receptive to me and to what I have to bring as well as? to us as we're, you know, beginning a church here. And, you know, I just realized no matter where we live, there are so many hidden aches and hidden hurts and we don't really, we don't see those, right? Mm -hmm. The suburbs quite readily. Um, You may not have the homeless person sitting on the corner that you see that something's broken, but you hear, you know, you know that marriages are falling apart or you know that, you know, people are struggling with debt and overextending themselves or they're just so busy that they're not connecting as a family um, that these things, shape us and they need the healing power of God just as well. You had me at the very first chapter talked about consumerism and how mm-hmm. that we get caught up in that. And it, <laughs> the subtitle right above it is worshiping granite countertops. Yeah. And I have to laugh about that because I live in a lovely home. We're very blessed. But I had all my friends had granite countertops yeah. and we didn't. 
And I whined to my husband once. I said, even Wilma <laughs> Flintstone has a you know granite countertop, and I right, don't. Right, right, right. And it's like, how uh, stupid is that? We ended up getting something inexpensive that, like a faux, but it it's right. just perfect. It's just right. I yeah. don't need to have that. <laughs> but you bring us to the point of why do we need to have things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you know, there, you know, there's a place for having nice things, and you know that that we're taking care of, you know, and we are appreciating the artistry of. Um, but I think there's also a place where we have to realize how much we use things or our pursuit of things or our endless dissatisfaction with the things we have to fill up deeper longings for God ultimately. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm so fascinated with the light out of the book because in each chapter you talk about a liturgy of this behavior. Mm-hmm. And in liturgy, I mean, by its very definition, is it's the work of the people. And if we're honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. it does become our work. It becomes mm-hmm. part of something that we just have to have. And we, and then you also offer the counter liturgy to use the, the term. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. are fantastic. I, I mean, I cannot tell. I, I just want people to know how thrilled I am with this book because I think that is just so perfect at the end of each chapter. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's just small starting practices um, to help your listeners understand at the end of every chapter. So, yeah, just small things like, you know, in the business chapter, like pray through your calendar, um, consumerism, you know, try a no shopping month or just something that you can start really small so that you're beginning to connect these larger ideas with your actual everyday ordinary life. You know, in the second chapter, you talked about individualism, too. Mm -hmm. In our society right now, that is something that I mean we hold up as an ideal almost as a virtue but I don't I don't think mm-hmm. that's virtue per the gospel is it Mm-mm. no yeah I think that is it's such a sneaky kind of idol of the suburbs um individualism is I think because everyone everything around us tells us right be all that you can be and you need to succeed and you need to look out for yourself and you know ideas of care it needs to all be centered on the individual um, and we have not yet really grasped what it looks like to belong to larger corporate identities, whether that's the church or neighborhood. Um, and I think we're losing something um, by simply viewing our happiness in terms of individual happiness, or even if we extend that out into the nuclear family, I think where our communities are poor for it. Yeah, I think that's, we fill up each moment of our day, too, with so much stuff. And mm-hmm. you talk about the importance mm-hmm. of downsizing. And on that section, mm-hmm. on, they can, they all kind of blend together in a real way. They do. They all, yeah, you can't really look at one without the other with the, the consumerism, busyness, um, individualism, and safety. They all kind of work together. <laughs> Re, a reinforced picket fence, if you will. <laughs> that whole area of safety, isn't that something? Because we have so much stuff, what is driving you? The fear to protect it. Now, safety is an important thing. I mean, I'm not trying to discount right. that you don't, you, you know, you should make sure your doors are right. locked or any of those kind of right. things. But right. but there can be an overemphasis sometimes mm-hmm. where you're living, if you're living more in fear than you right. are in freedom, mm-hmm. what kind of life is that? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I it's kind of funny. I'll see stuff on our neighbor, even our neighborhood Facebook page, about, you know, all of these, kind of ridiculous fears it feels like when we live in a really safe area as far as like crime rates and um, but I think when we are so concerned about you know if this falls apart you know or 
if my child doesn't do well, or, you know, if some, some evil should happen to my child or to me or to my husband, then like all is lost mm-hmm. instead of, instead of ultimately putting our safety in Jesus, knowing that he will keep us safe, even if the worst should happen. Um, so we need small practices to begin to kind of take our eyes off of ourselves and all of these other things that we're looking to, whether that's safety or buying things or, you know, focusing on ourselves so that we can begin to practice what does the life of faith actually teach us to look like and how does that help us move into our, our neighborhoods, our churches free, like you're saying. As you move into chapters towards the middle of the book, when we get into the areas of, say, repentance and belovedness and everything, now we're talking about identity, aren't we? I mean, once you yes. kind of shed yes. all that other stuff, now you're like, who really am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think really the core of the book centers, you know, after we've worked through those kind of idols um, of the heart, what is it, what do we do with that, right? Do we just try to buck it up and work harder and make sure we're, you know, not buying the granite countertops that we buy a cheaper option? No, we repent of our, you know, our longings and desires um, that are taking us selfward um, and distracting us from God. And then we live into who God says we are as his beloved children. And so those are, yeah, the core chapters of the book where um, I'm hopeful that as readers read those, that the Holy Spirit would work in their hearts and lives to do that, to repent and to believe. And then the later chapters, as we'll discuss, I'm sure, you know, talk about what are the practices of neighborliness in the suburbs because we have our identity secure in Christ. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, 
and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. We're talking with Ashley Hales about her book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. And, you know, again, I'm going to say it repeatedly. I really encourage people to get their hands on this book. Uh, if you're a parish minister, promote it. If you're DRE, promote it. If, but also in, the, in those small groups. But start with yourselves first. That in itself is a, a mission territory, isn't it? Yes, yes. Taking our thoughts captive <laughs> instead yeah. of just simply, you know, going to whatever's shiny. Ashley, the section on hospitality, I mean, you're moving us in a path of conversion. It's not a noun. It's a, it's a verb. It's an action word. It's, we're mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. moving and growing in our relationship with Christ. But hospitality by its very, the root of the word hospice, I mean, it's healing love. And mm-hmm. that's not only for our neighbor, but it, it becomes a, something for us as well and for our families, doesn't it? It does. It does. I think that's exactly right. It becomes an, an attitude of presence of making room for, for people, including you know ourselves and our families as well. Yes. Ashley, what's been the reaction of not only the book, greater community and people that you know that have been touched by it, but also, I mean, just doing this book in, in your own life and for your own family. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what you said there too, about the importance of making sure you're being hospitable to yourself and your family um, is, is really true. And we've had to, at times, um, you know, we have people in our home all the time. We're trying to organize neighborhood events and a lot of our energy and emotional output is for you know the people of our church or people that are far from god and so we've had to also be like we also need to take care of our family um and so i think we've had that push and pull too of how do we involve our children in this life of mission um how do we also help them to know they're cared and loved apart from you know um our work in in the world and so that has become yeah a challenge as far as just time commitments and emotional energy and availability. Um, but it's been a sweet gift to see as well other people come alongside and choose to be hospitable. Um, and it's been discouraging, but it's it's the human way, right, for people who jump in saying, oh, yes, we want to do this. And yet, like, long-haul love for their neighborhood is exhausting. You know, or when, when things are hard, that um, instead of having the hard conversation, they cut and run or, you know, um, just kind of back out of relationship. And so there's a lot, there is a lot of challenge and pain to living um, this way, but it, it is a, a, a life that is awake um, and that is meaningful and deep. And I trust that God is present more fully in a, a give yourself away for others sort of life um, than one that is focused only on our own comfort and ease. It's tough because, I mean, what you're calling for is, for many, will be radical. I mean, it's not about having social clubs or social interactions. Mm-hmm. You may live in a suburban area and you maybe have a very dynamic group that gathers, mm-hmm. but is it focused in Christ because in, in that type of love or is it focused on, and, and again, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but it, just to 
to put it out there. I mean, is it just for socializing, for having the occasional right. adult beverages and, and looking yeah. at each other's possessions? I mean, or is it about sharing something yourselves? And that entails vulnerability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great point. We can be busy and doing things and having people even into our home, but it may not be actually hospitable because it's less about you know, connecting with people and listening to their stories and listening for, you know, the brokenness and the cracks and trying to figure out how you can speak about how Jesus has met you in those cracks, right, of mm-hmm. of pain um, so that you're beginning to share your faith with them, right, rather than simply, you know, hey, show us your pictures of your latest vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think... Which is fun, too, but, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the... Uh, the real challenge. I mean, again, I, I use the word vulnerability, but, mm-hmm. but then again, you know, you've, you brought forward in the book early, the example of the prodigal son, that whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do we find ourselves? You know, oftentimes, aren't we, Ashley, we're both the, the son who comes back and the one who is the, the one who yes. always remained faithful, but is judging. Yes. 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 I think we really, it's easy to go back and forth between those two sons, for sure. And um, I, by, I, by any means, I don't want to, to articulate a type of living in light of, of God's kingdom that looks like, you know, you have to be doing this all the time or you have to be doing it perfectly. And um, that's why that repentance and belovedness chapters are in there. Um, but to begin to say, you know, God, I want to be used for what you would have me be used in my it, right in my neighborhood. And so would you do what you will with my own heart, my family, my life, our possessions that we have me to be an offering so that, you know, we'll be living as a witness for, for your kingdom right, right here. Um, and so I see that kind of as the response to the parable of the prodigal son too, is, is to enter into that feast, right? That's the goal. Um, and yet we know at the end of the story that the one who has repented and come back has entered into that feast and, the elder brother who has done all the right things and yet has remained hard. We still don't know if he's going to go in, but the beautiful thing is that the father um, who Jesus says is like our heavenly father goes out to meet both sons so that there is grace wherever we find ourselves on the spectrum. I hope you got a sense, Ashley, that I love your book. Oh, thank you. That's a delight to hear. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we're talking with Ashley Hales about her book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. And again, I want to reiterate, this is not a book about shaming. It actually, I think it begins very much like Lent. It starts out with this purgation period. We want to have things brought forward, but by the end, it's Easter, uh, time to rejoice, because that's, I think, anyone who were to take time to just go chapter by chapter, but but to rest with yourself with it. And if there are areas that, especially the person out there or people out there right now who are listening and you think you, everything in the world is telling you you are where you're supposed to be and yet there's something that just is unsettled in your heart. And you keep saying, mm-hmm. I should be here, but why aren't I? I think that's that's what you're missioning to, don't you think, Ashley? No, yeah. Right. And yeah, or, you know, the sense of disconnect, like Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And yet we don't experience that. You know, we're running around and we feel busy and frantic and our souls are are confused and and just 
buried in stuff and to-do lists. Um, and so even if we have a busy schedule and um, we're working hard, you know, where does that soul rest come from? And like you said, it's those, those idols of the heart um, and bringing those to mind to repent of them, to live out of belovedness, to choose in small ways to take up practices of presence in your neighborhood. Um, so that, yeah, that you're beginning to kind of uncover all these deeper layers of the self, and then you get to bring people around to love them. Um, it's a very, it's a very simple, uh, and it's incredibly difficult. And it's something that we keep doing again and again. It's not like we've arrived and, you know, we've done it perfectly by any means. It's a process. And it's different from women as it is for men. I mean, women want to nest. We want to, we yeah. want to create that safe place. We want to have the, we want to be the, the, the best moms we can be. No matter what our situations are, we want to create the best place. But what we might be creating is not something that is actually the best. And the same thing for dads, for men. They're hunter-gatherers. They're supposed to produce. They're supposed to provide. Those mindsets, they they can really mess us up, can't they? Yes. And and to ask the question, what am I providing for? You know, or what am I, how am I creating home for what purpose? I think is, so it's not that providing or creating home is, a bad thing, but but what is the purpose? You know that I am helping my children, stabilizing them. You know, doing their homework with them, helping them grow up for what purpose, right? Rather than mm-hmm. you know simply so that they can get a great job or be more successful than you or go to a better college than you did. And um, what is this for? How am I helping shape their character? Or how is my work that I am doing pleasing to God um, outside the home? And how is that? How, how do I? you know, evaluate those relationships uh, with people that I work with as well, rather than simply to see whatever our work is in the world as a means to an end. And your husband, Bryce, he's adjusted. He's making the transition back into the suburban experience. Yes, I think, I mean, I think we have. It's funny. Um, We've lived here now about three and a half years and almost four and yeah, it it still doesn't feel like we're entirely settled. and yet we feel deeply that this is what God has for us and what God has called us. And so we kind of try to live in this tension of, you know, this, the challenges of living in a suburban environment, the expense, it's, it's quite expensive versus the, the smaller city we were in before. Um, and so living with that tension um, and knowing that God has been faithful for our entire lives and he's provided financially and provided friends and, um, partners in ministry, and so we we lean on those promises that God has been faithful, of course, not just to us, but to his people for thousands of years, um, but that's a daily practice, so sometimes it looks a lot better than others <laughs> as far as our contentment and excitement to dig in. Well, it sounds real. You're living in reality. Yes, it is real. Well, Ashley, I, I wish we had more time, I really do, about any final thoughts? Um, you know, I just encourage your listeners, go ahead and pick up the book. You can, you know, connect with me. I have some small group curriculum that's going to be coming soon that'll be available on my website at aahales.com. So I I encourage you to pick up the book um, and just read it openly um, with an open spirit and see what God does for you and your neighborhood. Well, I I absolutely love it. I hope everybody does just that. Ashley Hales, thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been such a pleasure. With Ashley Hales, we've gone inside the pages of 
finding holy in the suburbs, living faithfully in the land of too much. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to ivpress.com, the website for its publisher, Intraversity Press, or visit Ashley's website, as mentioned in our conversation, at aahales.com. To hear and or to download this conversation along with along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, Insights from today's most compelling novel.